save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome to episode 249 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Paul Goldschmidt episode? Paul Goldschmidt. First baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. Currently active. Started his career with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's been a cub killer over the years. 249 career home runs for the man they call Goldie in St. Louis. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! Let's stay in baseball. World Series last night. 8-3, 8-3, the Dodgers win the opener. Clayton Kershaw was terrific on the mound, which has not always been the way he's been in the postseason. But he threw six innings of two-hit ball. It was a scoreless game until the fourth. Cody Bellinger again delivers for the Dodgers. Big two-run homer. Mookie Betts had a homer last night. Dodgers really erupted in the middle innings against this hard-throwing Rays staff. And they grab game one with an 8-3 win. Uh, tonight, the Rays come back with the guy that I really consider their ace, and that's Blake Snell. So we'll see how Snell is able to do and if he can keep these Dodger bats in check. Told you the Dodgers were going to win this in six, so winning the opener shouldn't surprise anybody. And it's only a surprise because the Rays pitching has been so good, not only in the regular season but in the postseason as well. It's not often they give up something like eight runs. So that that offensive outburst by the Dodgers last night, we'll see if that rattles the Rays or not. Texas the whole series? Texas the whole series. Uh, limited crowd because of social distancing, the pandemic. They're allowing about ten to 11,000 people in there. So the crowd last night was like the smallest for a World Series game in over a century. But you can certainly understand under the circumstances, it it's interesting to hear. I listened some on the radio coming back from dinner last night, and then I watched some on TV. The radio announcers are not there. They're watching on monitors. Mm. So their sense of the vibe was different than the TV announcers. Uh, the radio announcers seemed to be selling it a little bit more like, Hey, there may not be a lot of folks in the stands, but it's the World Series and these teams are excited to be there. And I'm sure that part is true. Uh, the TV announcers were actually there and they said it's it's definitely a different vibe. It's, it's kind of a quieter, subdued World Series. That's not to say that whoever wins this series hasn't earned it. I mean, let's face it. 
it has not been an easy season for anybody. No. And if you get through this and you win the World Series, there should not be an asterisk next to you. You've, you've done something this year if you win this one. It seems interesting that the different broadcast companies have either, hey, let's put people in a booth or you're going to be watching on a monitor in another building in another state. Yeah, I, I think for TV and the magnitude of the moment and the number of people that you have to have there anyway, it makes sense to have your announcers there. Mm-hmm. Radio, it it's it's basically the engineer and the announcers are the only people that you need. Right. There's no need to necessarily be there and expose yourself to whatever. You're not really throwing it to anyone down on the field in baseball. No. You could have somebody there mm-hmm. if you wanted. Um but I don't think it's ne- as necessary for the announcers to be there. Do they do like a player uh, chat during innings like they did on TV, on radio? I've, I don't know that I've ever heard no, that. No, I don't think so. No. No. Okay. All right. Well, let's segue into basketball. You've got some Pacer news for us. Nate Bjorkgren. He is not a household name. Uh, he would like to become a household name in Indianapolis, and the Pacers would like that too. He is the new coach of the Indiana Pacers. Pacers have been looking for a coach since firing Nate McMillan. Bjorkren has had a really interesting path to his coaching career. How so? So he started off in what is currently called the G League. It is um, it's a developmental league for the NBA. Okay. It, it's in America? Kind of, in America. Okay. It's, it's kind of a minor league. And he started off as kind of a, an intern to uh, Nick Nurse, who is currently the head coach of the Raptors. But Nick Nurse was the head coach of a G League team. So Nate Bjorkren is helping break down film, um, I think making 250 a week and working as a PE teacher at the local high school. And then kind of works his way up, becomes an assistant coach in the G League, then becomes a head coach in the G League, uh, finally makes enough of an impression that he breaks into the NBA as an assistant coach with the Phoenix Suns. When Nurse became a head coach at Toronto, he remembered Nate Bjorkren from his G League days and brought him over there. Toronto winds up winning the NBA championship last year. Bjorkren was part of that staff. And so he has he has worked his way up the yeah, ladder. Up and to the right. And wow. had his interview with the Pacers and came across as an innovator, a great communicator. When you talk to the uh, Toronto players, the quotes that I've seen from them is they have nothing but admiration for this guy. They love him. And they think he's going to do a great job in Indiana. So we will see because here's been the modus operandi for the Pacers. Uh, Have a really good regular season or have a decent enough regular season, be a fourth or fifth seed in the playoffs and lose in the first round. Mm. Let's get past that first round. That's going to be the key to start to measure the success. Now, does that all fall on the head coach? Of course not. You've got to have the players to work with. And Victor Oladipo's health has been a problem for Indiana. And 
They haven't had enough players to go around him to really be a contender in the Eastern Conference. So some of that falls on management for going out and getting the proper players, and then can the coach motivate them to get to the level that they need to get to. And here's the problem for Indiana is they still have teams like Toronto, Milwaukee, and Boston in their conference. Mm. Well, we have a lot of interest around here at our broadcast company for Big Ten football as we get to <clears throat> broadcast both Indiana and Purdue this Saturday. Uh, 3.30 kickoff for both games on our local stations in South Bend. 92, not, uh, 92 one, 96.9 for Purdue. IU will be on 103.1. So we mentioned the other day, Jeff Brom, the Purdue coach, had an initial positive test for COVID. The second test confirmed that he does have COVID, so he will not be coaching this weekend. The Big Ten rule, different than the SEC rules, it's not like Brome can keep taking the test and then when he gets three negatives in a row, uh, come back. It's not like the SEC. So he is on the sidelines. His son is the offensive coordinator, so he'll be the one calling the plays this weekend, and the defensive coordinator will handle the defense for Purdue. And Purdue will have its hands full with an always solid Iowa team coming into Ross-Aid Stadium. As far as I know, there are no fans other than the parents allowed for these Big Ten games. So it's Iowa and Purdue on 92-1 and 96-9. Indiana has to take on Penn State, a team that has dominated the Hoosiers since coming to the Big Ten. And Tom Allen's squad with a a really tough opener down at the Rock and Memorial Stadium. Indiana is a double-digit underdog going into this game. We'll see how they can play against Penn State. And then you've got the curious case of the two Michigan schools. Michigan State has a new coach in Mel Tucker. How much has he been able to do with the Spartan team? And who will be his quarterback? Because they've got to replace a three-year starter in Brian Lewerke. And Mel Tucker, as most coaches, I think, would do in the circumstance, not revealing who his quarterback is right now, although I'm not sure you have to keep any big secrets since the Spartans have the benefit of opening up with Rutgers. Michigan will take on Minnesota in a night game. Uh, that'll be interesting. P.J. Fleck and Jim Harbaugh, you've got two great personalities there going against each other. What will their teams look like? Michigan is kind of made its quarterback decision. They're going with Hinton at quarterback. And I think there's some I think there's finally some heat on Jim Harbaugh up at Michigan from in terms of, hey, we're tired of you not really leading us to Big Ten championships. We'd like to see something for the money that we've thrown at you here. Um but how much heat can you put on any coach this year with the situations around the pandemic? I don't know. We'll see how the season unfolds for the maize and blue. Notre Dame, I think, has its biggest challenge to date so far. Number one, they're going on the road for the first time this year. And everything that is entailed with traveling uh, during this COVID pandemic. And number two, they're playing a pit team that, even though it's only 3-3, three and three, has a really good defense, uh, which Pat Narduzzi has typically had. And Notre Dame, let's face it, has to iron out some things, not only in its red zone offense, which Brian Kelly went over thoroughly at his press conference on Monday, but also in the passing game. You know, Ian Book 
just did not look good Saturday against Louisville. He went 11 of 19. Now, it's not all on Ian Book. His receivers have to start getting some separation. I think the game plan leaves a little bit to be desired. I think they need to get the tight ends into the game plan more. Um, when you're only throwing it once to Michael Mayer and once to Tommy Tremble, I think that's a mistake. I mean, th- those are two of your most talented players on the field. And last year, if you remember, Corey, they used Cole Komet as a tight end who could stretch the field. Remember the the game at Georgia where Komet came back from the injury and immediately they started going to him, and you saw the Irish offense start to open up. I think you could do the same thing with this kid, the freshman Michael Mayer, who's a physical specimen, terrific athlete. See if you can use him to stretch the field. Can they get Kevin Austin healthy? I don't think Braden Lindsay is going to be healthy. He's out with what Kelly has called a soft tissue injury. It could be his hamstring again. Uh, but they've got to find some ways to stretch the field downfield. If you look at those completions from Ian Book last week, almost all of them were five yards or under and then asking the receiver to make yards after contact. What's wrong with throwing deep? Because you're going to start to see teams put more guys up at the line of scrimmage. When Notre Dame's bread and butter is running the football, they're seventh in the nation in rushing yards. When their bread and butter is rushing the football, you're going to find defenses starting to stack players up at the line of scrimmage and daring Notre Dame to beat them deep. And Notre Dame's got to show a willingness to do that. Now, a few years ago when they played Pitt, they did do that. They threw to Will Fuller deep twice, and that opened up the entire offense. The problem is Notre Dame doesn't have anybody on the field right now like Will Fuller. Well, because you said of the lack of separation, Book has got to hit that receiver on the nuggets if he's throwing deep. For Well, and even on the other routes, too. Uh, the one that really comes to mind from Saturday's game, they ran what's called a wheel route. So... Corey, if you, if you think of where the tight end normally lines up on the field okay. and they're next to the offensive line, to get him to the sideline, you could do one of two things. You could send him straight down the field and then have him take a left or right, depending on what side of the field he winds up on. Or you could have him take that circular route, kind of like a wheel, and kind of run along the line of scrimmage and then go out to the sideline. Okay. And... Michael Mayer had run a wheel route out to the sideline, and he was wide open. But the problem on this play, particular play was Ian Book held on to the football too long, and by the time he delivered it, the cornerback had found Michael Mayer and almost intercepted it. So not reading the field good enough, you not, think? Not reading the field good enough. Uh, not picking up blitzes, whether it's Book or or his running backs in the backfield, not picking up blitzes well enough. And then his receivers not giving him good enough targets to throw to. But, you know, sometimes that has to do more with the personnel involved in the play than it does with anything that Ian Book is doing. So I know it's frustrating for Irish fans because you look and you say, okay, Ian Book's a three-year starter. When's he going to start playing like a three-year starter? And sometimes it's not because of what he's doing. It's because of what everybody else is doing on the field that he doesn't look like a three-year starter. But here's the thing. 
the clock is ticking on this team. Hmm. Clemson comes here November 7th, whether the Irish are ready or not. They need to start showing they are ready, and Saturday would be prime time to do that because this is the best test you're going to get prior to Clemson. Georgia Tech is not a good football team. That should not be a problem in Atlanta next week. But Pitt will be a challenge for Notre Dame on Saturday. Hey, can I rewind to Big Ten for just yes, a second? go ahead. How many games does the Big Ten want to get in, and are they are they trying to align themselves with playoff contention by the number of games they're going to play to try to get in? They're going to play nine games. Their championship game will be December 19th. Even the teams that are not involved in the championship game will play what is a called a crossover division game. So, for instance, the battle for the old oak and bucket is December 12th, Indiana and Purdue. Indiana and Purdue are in the same division. So let's say, for the sake of argument, I'm not picking that game right now, but let's say for the sake of argument, Purdue is the third team in that division and Indiana is the fourth-place team in that division. Purdue will then play the third-place team in the other division on December 19th. Indiana will play the fourth-place team in the other division on December 19th. But obviously, the focus December 19th will be on the two first-place teams from the divisions playing each other because that will be your Big Ten championship game. Is there any kind of scuttlebutt of like, hey, we've been playing for six games, and all of a sudden you get to step in and kind of sneak your way into this thing? Well, here's here's the problem for the Big Ten is they've eliminated all their cushion. There's no room in there for a bye week. It's game, 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 Whereas game. the ACC and the SEC, because of the way they set things up, and obviously that has worked to Notre Dame's benefit somewhat because Notre Dame had that week where it's like, okay, we we can't play Wake Forest this week. Yeah. But we can play you December 12th, and so that's when they're going to play. Now, Wake Forest might be a much better football team by December 12th than they were on September 26th, but that's the risk you have to take. At least there's some room to move games around. The Big Ten does not have that kind of room. And with the numbers growing here in the Midwest as COVID cases, you wonder if it's going to come back and bite the Big Ten as we go forward with this season because it's starting to bite some high school teams right now. Let's keep our hands on the pigskin and talk a little high school football, Chuck. Yeah, so there are two high school football teams on the fringe of our area that have already said we cannot play our state tournament games because of a COVID outbreak within our school or within our community. So East Chicago Central, which was winless on the season, will not play Gary West on Friday night. Gary West gets an automatic move into the sectional semifinal. But the one that really gets everybody's attention is Southwood. Southwood is a small little 1A school, but they're ranked number three in 1A. They're undefeated on the year. They are one of the favorites from the north to get down to Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis and play for the state title. But they won't even play their first round game this year because of a COVID outbreak at the school. And so, and I don't know, I have no idea how many players are actually involved or infected with COVID, how much of that is contact tracing which is obviously a controversial thing for a lot of people. 
Um, but whatever the case, Southwood has notified the IHSAA they're not playing. And that's that's a ground shaker in the north, at least in Class 1A. And, of course, that all happened on Tuesday. We don't know as the week unfolds what's going to happen Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at schools. And this is a problem the tournament is going to have, but I don't see what what choice the IHSA has. If the IHSA is going to hold the tournament, this is the way it's going to have to be. And schools are going to have to make the decision, well, is it safe for our teams to play or not? Obviously, Chicago Central and Southwood have made the decision it's not safe for our teams to play, and we're not playing. Our high school game this week is New Prairie and Plymouth. Yesterday, I went over to beautiful New Carlisle and Rolling Prairie and watched the Cougars work out. They have a young man by the name of Hunter Whitenack, who is 6'8", 315, offensive tackle, and being recruited by Division I schools. He yeah. has an offer on the table from the University of Cincinnati. Oh, great. And you might say, well, why doesn't he have more offers? Here's one of the problems for high school kids who want to play college football right now. The NCAA is allowing basically this is a free year for student-athletes. Because of the pandemic, if you sit out this year, if you redshirt this year, whatever, it doesn't count against you. So everybody who plays on a college roster this year, no matter what the sport, if it's in the fall or the winter, If you play, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count against you. It's a free year. Well, what about the kids who are high school seniors right now? Mm -hmm. How are they going to get on a roster? For high school juniors, they're not allowed to make any recruiting trips right now. They're not allowed to be visited. They can have phone contact. They can have Zoom calls. And Hunter Whitenack does get a lot of phone contact and Zoom calls and text, but that's not the same as going onto campus and seeing what the vibe is and seeing what it's like. And so, guys like Hunter Whitenack, and basically right now he wants to focus on his high school season anyway, but it it makes it really tough, and at least he's a junior. I mean, there are some talented seniors around here that would love to play college football and have no idea if they're going to get the opportunity or not. But that's one of the things to watch on Friday night is watch good old number 77 for New Prairie. Uh, They'll be in the white uniforms on Friday night and see how he does against a Plymouth team. And and here's a Plymouth squad. I'll go down there today, Corey. Their head coach, John Barron, contracted COVID. It was bad enough he was rushed to the emergency room. He's made a recovery. He's back on the sidelines. But... The fact of the matter is his team has will play its first game in four weeks on Friday night in the first game of the tournament. So <laughs> I'll ask John Barron the question I have to ask, which is what do you expect from your team on Friday night? What are you going to use for rust removal? <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't think John Barron has any more idea what to expect from his team on Friday night than a lot of people do. Yeah. How many weeks of practice before the season started? Well, typically, I mean, lots of lots of programs were working in the summer doing drills, and then they were allowed to officially start practice 
Uh, you get, I think, three weeks of practice so before this your first game. Feels like a first game of the season again. Yeah, the, but the problem is it's the state tournament. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you'll head down there today. All right. And we'll have that game for you Friday night. YouTube, Facebook, Champions Network, 7.30 kickoff for that one. TV 46, Friday night, 11, Saturday morning at 9. You want to talk about these polls at all? Yeah, we can. Uh, the final polls of the regular season came out yesterday. Uh, let's look at the AP poll. Elkhart, number five in Class 6A. Um, of course, a lot of people looking forward to the possibility of an elkhart Penn rematch. That would not be – that's still a couple weeks away. Penn has to be Chesterton, Elkhart, likely to beat Portage. In 5A, Valparaiso, number three. Mishawaka is number nine. Remember, the Cavemen started the year 0-3. They're now 5-3. and uh, They've won five straight and getting ready for Goshen in the tournament in two weeks. And Michigan City is ranked 10th. In 3A, Marion, undefeated, looking strong, ranked number two. Their problem is the team that's ranked number one, Chittard, is the one who spanked them in the semi-state last year. And the three best teams in 3A are all in the northern part of the state. So we'll see what unfolds there. But Marion, a lot of people think that they're headed to the semi-state again. They're, there's not a whole lot to give them obstruction in their path to that. 2A, Fairfield. Undefeated on the year, Matt Thacker's team ranked number seven. They'll open up the tournament with Central Noble on Friday night. A decent test for Fairfield, but uh, certainly a winnable game for the Falcons. And then in 1A, North Judson is ranked number 10. The North Judson sectional is not going to go down as one of the strongest in the state. Uh, (laughs) North Judson should be expected to get through that sectional unscathed, but again, with Everything going on with the pandemic, who knows? We can wrap up this episode with some NFL news. A very familiar, local familiar name joining the practice squad of the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and remember, because you're on the practice squad, it doesn't mean you're going to get to play. But Manti Teo, still trying to hang on in the NFL. Uh, Remember, he left Notre Dame in 2012. It's now 2020. That's a long time. For a linebacker in the NFL, he hasn't exactly had the most sterling NFL career, but he's still kicking around, still getting paid to play football, and there's something to be said about that. And he's on the practice squad now for the Bears. Meanwhile, uh, down in Miami, they have decided to make a quarterback change. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has not been bad for the Dolphins. The Dolphins are in playoff contention. But the Dolphins sank a lot of money into Tua Tagovailoa. And Tua Tagovailoa got his first snaps as a Dolphin on the field last Sunday, and I think there is some pressure there to get him onto the field. So Tua will take over as the number one man in Miami. They have a bye this week, so it won't be. He's got two weeks to get himself ready for his first start. The question would be, if you're a team sitting there looking for a quarterback, Dallas, would you, could you, make a deal to get Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has had a, a pretty decent NFL career? Now, it, would Ryan Fitzpatrick be the answer to all the Dallas Cowboy problems? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, is he better than Andy Dalton? Yeah, probably. I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably better than Andy Dalton. 
Uh, but the problem with, with the Cowboys is neither Ryan Fitzpatrick nor Andy Dalton is Dak Prescott. And they really don't have uh, a backup who runs the offense the way Dak Prescott did. So I thought that showed somewhat Monday night that Cowboys loss mm-hmm. to Arizona. So we'll see what Jerry Jones decides to do. His Cowboys are 2-4. and four. And they lead the NFC East, (laughs) the worst division in football history. All right. We've made it to the end of the episode, Chuck Freeby. Oh, no, we haven't. Mm -hmm. No, we haven't, because it's time for that little segment that we've added to the show. Oh, yeah. Called Overrated, Underrated. Oh, I like this. This is fun. Now, today I'm taking you back into the 1970s, so I apologize to our younger listeners who may not be familiar with the musical acts that I'm going to bring out. I will also bring out a basketball star from the 80s and 90s. Okay. Do you want the music first or do you want the athlete first? Let's do athlete, then music. Scottie Pippen, overrated or underrated? Underrated. Why do you say that? You know, he was actually my favorite bull. I just love the fact that he was the number two guy, and I think his game elevated because of who he played with. Okay. I don't know that he would have been as good as he was if he was not on that squad. And that's why I asked the question, because was Scottie Pippen, is Scottie Pippen a star? Is Scottie Pippen considered one of the top 50 players in NBA history because he was the number two guy to Michael Jordan? If Michael Jordan's not on that team, is Scottie Pippen worth a darn? I, I kind of like that quote of that baseball player the other day, but he, but he was on the squad. Right. You, know, you blew that lead. No, we won. He, he was on that squad. He's a great player. That, that documentary made me look at him a little differently. Yeah. A little bit of a crybaby, a little bit of a I want my money, which I kind of get. And by the way, he ended up fine. You oh, said, yeah. You said that a number of times, like post-Bulls career, he, he in fact... I think he ended up making more money than yes. Michael did. Um, yeah, I'll stick with underrated. It, he is a really tough one for me to evaluate. Number one, because him, him being a bull, I tend to give him favor. Okay. You know, I, I'm. we grew up watching the Bulls teams of the, that era, and that was our team. Now, that said, lockdown defender, uh, one of the best defenders in the NBA during that time. But in some big moments, did not show up. Yeah, fizzled. Did not show up in some big moments. He's a really tough one for me in this segment. Mm -hmm. You know what he reminds me of when you said that name? We scheduled our life around that tip-off. Oh, yeah. And I, I miss that. I mean, it happens on Sundays every now and then. One o'clock, the Bears are playing. Yeah, maybe. Now and then. But, but not- I mean, it was Saturday night and it was 7 o'clock. Dinner was done. Or that Sunday afternoon yeah. 3.30 game on NBC. <laughs> Church is done. Lunch is done. Nap is out of the way. Yeah. Let's get after it. I miss that. I miss yeah. that. Um. I'm going to go overrated. I'm not going to say heavily overrated, but just I'm not sure he's one of the top 50 players in NBA history. Okay. Would he make a good head coach? 
Oh, I don't think so. No. No, I, I don't think that's in his. That would almost be a PR move, wouldn't it? Like yeah. Like if they brought him in, but yeah. he wouldn't be a good. No, I, I, I don't see that. Okay. Now, he's fine on ESPN when they bring him in, things like that. Of course, he's got that voice yeah. here. Um, all right, Scotty Pippen, overrated, underrated. You're going under, I'm going over. Let me throw at you two musical uh, acts from the 70s. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, the second one first here. Seals and Croft. I don't have enough knowledge of okay. them to... Um, That's fine. I know if I heard a song from them, I'd know it was them. Right. I don't own any of it, so I'm I'm out of the... So you can go overrated. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. What's their big song? Uh, we may never pass this way again. Um, kind of in the wheelhouse of Ameri- or, uh, Amb- Ambrosia, Ambrosia or America. America. It's all, it's all that kind of, yeah, it's yeah. all that kind of ilk. Okay. Yeah. Um, Steely Dan. Underrated. I agree. Underrated. I think they were a musical geniuses band that no one quite, I mean, they were good. They had some rock radio stuff, but like. They were too, they kind of had Tom Schultz of Boston kind of guy, like down yeah. in the laboratory oh. creating the stuff. I put them in the same category with Boston. You know how I feel about Boston. Yeah, yeah the Steely Dan, like if you can watch a documentary on those two, super nerdy. Yeah. They did not have the rock star well, anything about them. That was their problem. They weren't. They weren't a live performance Nothing to look band. at. There's nothing there. Yeah. But their stuff on radio, their stuff yeah. on albums. The very best of any studio musician, they went out and got them. Yeah. And that's what you hear. And then Donald Fagan, that solo album is, uh, oh, man. I, I love me some Peg. That's that's my favorite one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, Steve, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Very underrated. Do you have anybody for overrated and underrated today? No pressure. If you don't, you don't. I did. Um only because our favorite CBS morning anchor used this phrase. And I went, oh, this one might be for Chuck and I to chew on. Uh, Wildflowers by Tom Petty came out on Friday. Reissue. That was supposed to be a double album back when it came out in the 90s. Only eight or nine songs came out. He, before he died, wanted to do that. Of course, he passes away. He would have been 70 yesterday. Right. Tom Petty overrated or underrated. I'm going underrated. I I'm a I'm a big Tom Petty fan. If that if Tom Petty stuff comes on the radio, dial's not moving. Yeah. I I just think he had a knack for uh reaching to the common man. And I will say this, you you listed three songs yesterday in the trivia question that we wound up not using. Yeah. All three of those songs are huge songs. Iconic. Yeah. Iconic in pop radio, rock radio, and you could put them on now and they would stand the test of time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and I remember when he died down at Florida, that whole crowd during the timeout singing I won't back down. Yeah. I mean you don't you don't see that for too many artists. There are not too many artists who they pass away and that weekend a whole stadium of people who 
most of them weren't even born when he was in his prime. Yeah. A stadium of people not born when they were in their prime belting out the song. And if you get a chance to put your eyes on uh, the documentary that was put out a handful of years ago, talk about a roller coaster career, but who he partnered up with, just first of all by himself, yeah. then he gets at the Heartbreakers, then he kind of loses a massive song to Stevie Nicks during that whole whatever, mm-hmm. then uh, reinvents himself, then he starts buddying up with a Jeff Lynn from ELO, a Beatle, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison. Then they have their little super group for a couple albums. Then, you know, he partners up with Rick Rubin, which is where Wildflowers comes from. Then a, hey, will you be Johnny Cash's backup band for four records? Yeah. You know, I, he was and, uh, and underrated. That's also what I appreciate about him because there are a lot of artists whose egos would not allow them to play the role of backup yeah. to anybody. He loved it. He didn't care. He lo- he just wanted to play. He wanted to play, and he wanted to produce good stuff. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. By the way, if you get a chance, uh, especially during the fall, get that Wildflowers on the radio and just drive uh, west to east. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, 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 it's a perfect soundtrack. But do it now because the leaves are about to go. Yeah, it's getting a little on the nasty side. I love me some underrated, overrated. But more importantly, I love me some sports yak Chuck Freebie. Thank you. Hopefully, the listener does, too. Hit the subscribe button. That way, you never miss an episode. Man, can you believe we're knocking on 250? That is hard to believe. Do we have something special for our 250th episode? As a matter of fact, we do. Yes, we do. So that'll be up on Friday. Uh, Hit the subscribe button. You won't miss an episode. Until next time, yak fans. Ooga looga, Paul Goldschmidt. some fun yeah the show is done now we gotta run it's sport check sport check sport check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience we done you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.